1: I'm thrilled today to be joined by Beth Walker, Chief Executive Officer at Ochsner Baptist, which is part of Ochsner Health. Beth, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. Happy to be here. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about, you know, really looking at some of the big areas of growth and development and leadership that you're thinking about today. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background?
2: Sure. Happy to. Um, so as you said, my name is Beth Walker. I'm currently the CEO at Ochsner Baptist, which is one of the uh, community hospitals located in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana, here, um, and uh, just under about 180 bed facility, uh, large focus in women's services, but also in, um, we do a lot of um, outpatient and a few inpatient surgeries, but a lot of the outpatient services, as well as sort of your general bread and butter community hospital um, offerings as well. I uh, actually moved to New Orleans in 2002 as an administrative fellow after completing my MHA at Ohio State. Um, interestingly enough, I thought I would be in New Orleans for about a, a year completing that and then figured I'd move back up north somewhere. And um, it didn't exactly turn out that way, but it certainly turned out well. And I've had the, um, the honor and the privilege of growing up in this organization, and, and essentially growing with this organization, we have we have grown a tremendous amount in the 21 years that I've been here now, and so I've had the honor to grow up and, and sort of have a variety of experiences that, you know, some coming as a result of something like a hurricane Katrina that just you know changed a lot of things for us around here, um, but actually even the campus I sit in now is is a um, a hospital that we were able to purchase from tenant back in 2006 after Hurricane Katrina. Um, but yeah, essentially grew up in the organization, um, a variety of roles, mostly on the group practice, um, and clinic side. And, um, prior to the role I'm in now, I was the chief operating officer at, um, our flagship hospital, Oxford Medical Center, again, focused more on the group practice and the clinics, and then have been in this role at Baptist for about four years now. Um, interestingly enough, took the role over here about nine months before, um, COVID. So it was my first CEO role and an interesting way to, uh, to sort of learn through a global pandemic, but um, so far so good.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. That's amazing to hear it. And what a, an interesting time to come into hospital leadership and just taking on the top role. I know we're a few years out from March of 2020 at this point, what are some of your big priorities today? And, you know, where do you see things headed?
2: Yeah, that's um a great question. I think, you know, trying to make sure that we are focused on priorities because obviously if everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. Um, one of the things that I'm I'm focused a lot on right now is really our access to care. Uh that's obviously something that is, you know, is always something that we're talking about, but I think we really have some opportunities to to redefine how we are showing up for our patients where they need us. And I think you know, that certainly has to do with how we manage our schedules and make sure that patients can get in to see our providers and our physicians, that we have the right mix and skill sets um, to meet the demand uh, of the, the local and you know farther reaching community. But I think it's also in redefining how we are there for our patients in terms of What needs more of a um, really just an answer to a message? What needs a phone call? Where do we have virtual options? What do we need to provide in individual local communities? What are people sort of willing to travel for? And these are obviously questions that have existed for a while, but I think we really have um, noticed that we have got to redefine some of this and help to really understand sort of what our patients are looking for and how we can better show up to meet their needs. Um, in different ways, so I'd say that's probably one of the the things I'm spending a lot of time on right now. Um, on a broader level, I, I would say also culture. I, I'm I'm personally working on a lot of culture work here at Auctioner Baptist. I think the organization, you know, as we we have a, a new CEO who's been here about a year, but I think that's a priority for him too. Um, we did have to go through a, a, a reduction in force back in May of this year, and that certainly challenges a culture and and trust and so i think rebuilding some of that has absolutely been a priority making sure that um you know that that people feel um safe and secure and that they can be successful here and that they understand that we have a bright future going forward and so working through a lot of that um the culture work is super exciting for me i, I really enjoy it you know i believe you know people join an organization or stay in an organization for the culture not the company and think really really focusing on that and and building upon you know a great foundation that we had here. And then I think that kind of ties into a little bit more of making sure that you know I help to understand how do we reconnect our our teams to purpose and you know through some resilience whether it be through coming through the pandemic through all the things life seems to be bringing people lately um and also this this reduction in force and so helping to make sure that we really get at helping people, you know, to reconnect to why they got into this to make sure that they can um, feel good about, you know, the work that they do here every day. Um, and and all of that really goes back into sort of our bigger, I mean, you have to have sort of the right foundation, the right people to be able to achieve anything. So I think that's that's really the key, whether it's to our access to care work, whether it's to just, you know, the growth overall, I think we have some real opportunities um, to think differently. I think we have some sort of internal growth opportunities as well as external. And so even focusing with the team just on this whole kind of growth mindset and how do we look at things differently, think about things differently, not get caught up in the way that we've always done it. So um, I'll, I'll kind of pause there. I think that's a lot of, uh, you know, some of the things that are sort of um, prioritized in my head these days.
1: Yeah, that's so interesting. And I love how you put that talking about, you know, obviously the access to care issues and trying to make sure that you're connecting with the community and doing what needs to be done in order to provide the right type and level of care. And, And then, too, from the internal side, looking at, as you mentioned, the culture building, making sure that you've got people who are, Uh, really understanding what they need in order to feel safe and secure within the organization and then to look at growth and be resilient teams, basically. I can imagine a lot of our listeners are facing some of those similar challenges. And, you know, I was wondering from your perspective, where do you see some of those challenges and opportunities growing ahead, um, what do you see as being some of the most, I guess, effective ways that you're right now uh, working with your teams to uh, build that vision for the future that you have, even though right now there's still some anxiety and growing pains?
2: Yeah, no, it's a, a great question. And I think that's the key is we have to, you know, we have to make sure that we've got the right foundation for today, but obviously we have to, to build, continue building for tomorrow. Um, the work for you know, the first thing that comes to mind is really around the workforce. And I think that has a number of elements, Um, you know, one being sort of the the ability to recruit um, talent. And I think, you know, the continued shortages nationally and even in our local market, um, you know, have have also, you know, while they're a big challenge, I think it's also helped us to say, hey, how do we look at some things differently? And I think we've created some unique ways that we have decided to. Um, to try and solve for whether it be a nurse shortage or a rad tech shortage, and, and redefining the work and saying, hey, this is, you know, sort of forcing our hand on looking at some some things differently. The other thing that we're doing there that I'm really proud of is um, as a system, but we have some unique things happening here at Oxnard Baptist too, is really on developing strong ties and relationships and making investments in different um, workforce development programs um, with medical schools, with PA schools. Um, we actually auctioner is in partnership with an elementary school, a charter school um, that I have the the privilege of sitting on the board on as well, and um, you know really saying that as young as elementary school kids, we want to start developing. You know, one, we believe in education because a, you know a more educated community makes for a stronger community, regardless of what field that that those kids eventually go into. But we also hope that um, that they might be interested in the sciences and and you know, technology and the things sort of in our spaces. Um, I'm also working with a, a local group that is sort of a, um, a technical piece that that local Orleans Parish kids have the opportunity to go to a half day every day of the week and really learn a unique um, skill. And so that they come out of high school prepared, whether or not they choose to go on to um, to a four-year university, they've got some kind of skill. So they have medical assistant programs, pre-nursing, um, as well as hospitality and HVAC and a number of things like that. So that's that's something that, if you can tell, I'm I'm passionate about and something that I think is is really important that we work through. So that's kind of on the recruitment side in a lot of ways, and we're playing the long game as well as you know sort of what's the immediate need. But then once they're here, I think the engagement piece is just so critical and. Um, I've been very interested in a lot around even the generation Z um, workforce, you know, that is that continues to be a stronger presence in our in our workforce and sort of understanding what their expectations are, um how to um, make sure that their needs are met and that this is, you know, an environment that they want to be a part of. And so that's um the the generation's work stuff is very interesting to me. Um, and then maybe like a little bit of a flip, but something else that, I think we're, that I think will help with, can help with engagement, can help with a lot of things, but is really all the talk and sort of focus around AI in, um, in the healthcare space. And I actually just came from a meeting where we had a number of speakers on, um, on AI. And, you know, every time I think I've learned something, I just learned something new. And, and I think it's just fascinating. Um, some of the things that are coming down the pike for, um, you know, that's really going to I think will challenge us in, in some ways because it's really gonna force us to do our work differently and redeploy resources in different ways. Um, but I also think it can be such a game changer for our workforce, making it easier on our staff, um, helping with the burnout, but also helping patients to um, to you know to better care for patients in, in new and unique ways. So um, I'm really excited about that stuff. I kind of, I, I gravitate towards anything I can find along that um, along that topic.
1: That's great to hear, and it's just fascinating to see how quickly things are changing. As you mentioned, with technology and AI, but then too, as the generational workforce changes in what the different expectations are from both the workforce as well as patients. From that perspective and lens, how do you define your leadership strategy? In what works well today, how is that evolving?
2: Yeah, that's a um. I love that question because I think it's something I keep asking myself of and trying to reflect. Um, I like to to just kind of question myself like is you know is am i showing up in the right ways for my team for this community and i think you know some hopefully the answer is yes more often than it's no but i think it's also good for me to say sometimes i got to evolve that depending on the time or or the issue at hand um when it comes to really defining my leadership style i think back to um an exercise i did that that forced me to kind of define the the top 2 values um that i have just as a as a human being and um, despite this list of you know, kind of choices of probably 100, um, I was able to to narrow it to the the two that we were asked to. And those for me are authenticity and kindness. And it's really so I, I think those help to define me as who I am and what matters to me. But I also feel that those are just um, not only beneficial in my leadership style, but critical, um, especially when you know, when when one of those words is authenticity, I have to be my authentic self um, each and every day as a leader, and and I hope that in general that helps you know people to that helps to build some trust and relatability to staff. Um, but what that also means is, I sort I subscribe to the Brene Brown dare to lead um, philosophy, or or I shouldn't call it a philosophy, but the the data and the um, the information there. But around clear is kind, and to me, it, that is a lot around transparency, um, specificity, clarity, in what even you know what is okay and what is not okay. And so, um, I've I've gotten very comfortable with what I think traditionally were referred to as difficult conversations because to me, it's about clarity and expectation, and that is actually the kind thing to do is to help be clear um, with with team members about you know, norms and what what is accepted and what is not. So I think there's a lot kind of in that space that's really important to me. And I think I I lead through and try and set the right expectations and tone around. Um, I also believe a lot in, in simply leadership, you know, by presence and that's extremely important to me to be active, to be, you know, to not ask anyone to do anything. I wouldn't, um, luckily I am an extrovert. I enjoy getting to know my team. Walking the halls, being in the departments, talking with people, and so um, I think that continues to be part of what um, I believe in, and hopefully I model. And then maybe the last thing I would mention is, um, is just you know developing followership. To me, is so important for any leader. Um, you know, somebody you know once said, you know, you can't be a leader if if you don't have followers, and I, I do believe that. And what I I try and ask myself often is am I the leader I'd want to follow? And um again, hopefully more often than not, I can say yes. But of course everybody has a bad day and there are times where I feel like I didn't show up in the way I wanted to for the team. But as long as I could sort of reflect on that and learn from that. Um and sometimes apologize. Sometimes say like, hey, I wasn't I didn't respond to this the way I had hoped to or you deserve more time and empathy in that topic. And I, you know, I didn't respond in that way. But um I apologize and I'm going to do better, you know, moving forward. So it's, I think it's, it's important that we model sort of that vulnerability and willingness to say like, we're all learning here. And as long as we're willing to admit um, when we, you know, aren't the person that we want to be, then I think that's, that's a safe space for everyone to sort of practice and to learn and to, um, and to fail, but, you know, get back up and be able to move forward. So um, I could actually answer this question for the next like hour, but I'll probably pause there because I just, I have lots of thoughts on this one.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. And, you know, I love the way you put that in being able to be a leader that you'd be willing to follow and, and just help people understand that we're all learning together and, you know, being a leader isn't a finished product, but a constantly um, evolving in and, and growing position as well. That's awesome to hear. Um, I think before we wrap up, I was wondering if you could talk about advice that you have for emerging women leaders in particular within the healthcare space, what do they need to know about and, and have an understanding of as they're growing um, within the ranks of their organizations or just hoping to one day uh, be a leader and a CEO of a hospital or a health system?
2: Yeah, I love that question. So I think, you know, the first thing, and it might sound simple, but is I, I would challenge every woman to just. Be sure they really understand themselves and sort of what um, they bring to the table. I feel like when I was earlier in my career, I was reading a lot of things and seemed to hear different speakers and, and um, you know, articles and books and things like that, that in my impression seemed to imply that the best way for me to succeed as a woman in this field was to be more like a man, which I'm oversimplifying, but that was sort of my interpretation and I have since found out just how powerful some of my my qualities and my traits and my really, you know, my strengths um, have become in what I do. And I I think it's really important that as women, we really be true to sort of what we can bring to the table. And there have been some unique articles or interesting articles, I should say, written, especially since um, COVID about what women in particular can bring to the leadership space that is more recognized and appreciated perhaps now than maybe it was in the past. Um, I've shared before that I had a I had a coach um, a number of years ago, probably 10 years ago, who um, it was at a time where I really still lacked a lot of confidence. And I remembered thinking, gosh, somebody is going to wake up someday and realize I'm just, you know, that I'm not very good at what I do. And it was almost like I was just waiting for that day. And I remember talking to Rebecca and Rebecca said, "Um, Beth, you have to, you have to realize that you are successful because of who you are and not in spite of who you are. And I had always kind of feared that maybe because I'm a relatable person who makes good connections. And in general, people thought was kind and nice and easy to work with that, that was going to hold me back, that that was some kind, somehow a liability. And that, conversation with her and sort of practice going forward helped me to realize that's actually a strength. And that's sort of, I like to call it my superpower. <laughs> um, but that's actually, I think what has made me successful, um, along the way. And so I've, instead of trying to sort of hide some of that, it's almost like I've doubled down on that. And that has led, you know, to these courageous conversations I talk about, um, which again, I would encourage every woman to get much more comfortable with honest, thoughtful. They can be kind, but they just need to be honest and transparent. Um, and and I think I talk a lot about the importance of practice. And to me, practicing these conversations is how you get better. You know, anytime someone tells me, Well, I'm not good at those conversations, I'm like, so you probably avoid them at all costs. That does not make you better. So we have to be able to lean into those things. I would say. You know, another piece is, is the importance of, you know, making intentional choices um, and making sure that that women in, in this question, you know, are, are thoughtful about the choices that they make and how those relate to what they value, what's important to them, and also, you know, what will kind of help move forward. And one of the last things that maybe I'll I'll say is, I think it's really important that everyone finds... Their, the joy in their work. Um, I was actually meeting with someone earlier and they were kind of talking about, you know, what age, you know, they thought they'd retire and asked if, if I had an age in mind. And I said, no. I said, I, I think the most important thing is I still find, um, and I'm a long way from it regardless, but, you know, for now I, I find so much joy in what I do. And I feel, I wish I knew how to help people figure that out because it just, it makes every day so powerful to me and it it truly is something i enjoy coming to work i enjoy um you know helping people to be hopefully better versions of themselves to bring teams together to accomplish things and so i just challenge women and men but to to really make sure that they don't lose the joy in the work um you know and they don't get so far ahead of like what title they're trying to accomplish or salary or whatever it is but that they really say like who is it i want to be and what do i want to you know how do i want to feel in terms of what i contribute to yeah those are a few of the things on my mind
1: well that was amazing beth thank you so much in such a relevant conversation i think for any leaders but particularly as you mentioned women was are thinking about you know what do i really want out of uh, my career in really you know the position how can i be in a space where um you know, you're really fulfilling your own bucket as well as that of everyone else's that, you know, you're working with and in leading. So um, I, I think, as you mentioned, that's so important, so crucial. And thank you for sharing, you know, your personal story about your realization of how you, um, you know, have, have been working on this journey in leadership. Um, it just seems like a lot of great insights there in great advice for women who are looking to grow and develop within their professional lives. Thank you. Well, and thank you so much for your time on the podcast today. This has been such a fun conversation, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon.
0: Thank you, Laura. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks, help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way. Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC.